The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Craig Buller-Jack, momentarily television voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll get Buller's thoughts on uh, what he saw in game number one of the preseason last night as the Jazz fell to uh, the Spurs. Uh, game Preseason game two coming up tomorrow night. Of course, the Jazz will be in Dallas to take on Luka and the Mavericks. So we'll get uh, we'll get Bowler's thoughts on what to expect from this Jazz team, as well as uh, what to expect uh, going forward. Certainly, high expectations um, as the Jazz run it back and uh, add a few veterans and shuffle some things around and see if they can't make another uh, another run at it. We'll we'll talk to Bowler as well about some of the stuff in the GM survey, which was uh, released today. In fact, let's waste no more time. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage... Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at SmartRain.com. He is the television voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only Craig Bowler. Jack, what's up, Bowler? Jake, how are you? I'm doing all right, Bowler. How are, how are you? Are you you ready to go? Are you feeling? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. How are you feeling? I feel good. Uh, you know, last night, uh, just sat in the stands for the first time in a long time and observed. And, you know, you lose by 26, work to do, but also you have to step, step back and say who played, who didn't. Uh, Quinn talked about spacing. I thought they, the Jazz looked crowded last night. San Antonio looked like a team that just is going to play some tough D and shoot some mid-range jumpers and uh, be a Popovich-style team. But, New night tomorrow night against Dallas. I'm excited to see, uh, hopefully, uh, Gobert get on the floor. Uh, we know what Bogey. Bogey's out, and so is Rudy Gay. Uh, so we'll see Joe Ingles, I'm sure, as well tomorrow night. So that should open things up a little bit. So we're starting to get – you know what? It is preseason, Jake. It is yeah. what it is. I think it starts slow, and it ends a little faster and a little bit more, uh, let's say, Quinn's going to – uh, pull the reins in a little bit on on rotations, and we'll see that against uh, most likely New Orleans at home, along with uh, along with the Bucks. Yeah, I was talking about this earlier, Bowler. The preseason is kind of funny because you're not actually trying to win. That's no. why that's why when everybody says, "Ooh, they had a bad preseason," or "Ooh, they had a great preseason," it's like, well. You know, these teams are not necessarily going out there and trying to get the W. They're working on their stuff. I mean, Donovan Mitchell got up 19 shots in 22 minutes last night, which is impressive even for him. But that's the point. He needed to get his work, right? Go get his shots, get to his spots, and do those sorts of things. Who cares if it goes in or not? It's about tweaking and tightening, making sure you're ready to go. I think for Donovan, too, and for Mike last night, was just testing legs and ankles, right? I mean, to kind of put a little pressure on a step back or a sideways type of move. I mean, both those guys are coming off, you know, the injuries in the second round of the playoffs. And so, yeah, I, I again, I think it's just gaining some confidence back, getting legs and 
the feel. You can practice all you want, but until you get on the floor, uh, it's it's uh, it's a totally different ball game. I think for Joe and for Rudy, honestly, uh, they both said it was it was a decision because they've played a lot of hoop. All these guys have. Man, we're yeah. starting the third season, Jake. It's amazing uh, how much you know. We we condensed one season into seventy two. And then you have the Olympics sandwiched in between, and you got a silver medal for Rudy and a bronze for Joe. And so I think, the, the again, the staff is just trying to, uh, again, respect both those guys, knowing they've played a lot of hoop and they're just going to bring them back, you know, at their pace. And they've got another couple of weeks, in fact, two weeks from tomorrow night's opening night at home against OKC. So, you know, you know look, rest is important, uh, especially – uh, what's gone down the last uh, 19, 20 months. And um, I think it's pretty pretty obvious and a smart move. You're spot on about that, Bowler. I remember, you know, we were talking during the pandemic when we were all just twiddling our thumbs and there was, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. we weren't sure what was going to happen and everything shut down and are they going to play and testing and all this stuff. And and the, the one thing we knew is that whenever they did resume, it was going to be wall-to-wall basketball for like the next two years because yeah. they had to make up for all that lost time. And now we're kind of on the tail end of the catch-up. But you're totally right. I mean, these guys have played an incredible amount of basketball uh, over the last, uh, you know, however over many months, and including that international play, I certainly understood why uh, Joe and Rudy and, and probably the rest of the team are going to be cautious with things right. like rest and that sort of thing, because it really is a lot of basketball. It is. And you know what? There's also interest in Jared Butler. There's interest in Hassan Whiteside. There's interest in uh, Eric Paschal, uh, Trent Forrest. Uh, you know, who are they? What are they? What can they bring? Uh, do you check them on or off the, the, the list or on the the fi- before the final cuts are made, and where do you see them? Uh, where do you, where do you see uh, Uh And I think Jared Butler proved last night, along with Trent Forrest, you know, there were some interesting prospects uh, there. Um, you know, Donovan was full of praise and talked about the poise of, of Jared Butler. And, you know, everybody I talked to, Jake, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is that most of the NBA, uh, you know, alleged experts all said that, there was only a handful, maybe three or four, that they felt were basketball NBA ready, and Butler was on that list. And I think he proved last night, you know, again, had to be a little nervous in his NBA pro debut, even though it was preseason. But, you know, he showed us some things, you know, what he can do, and um, he could be a rotation guy in that second unit. I think I think there is a role for him, Bowler, or somebody like him, and I, I'm with you. That's why I was eager to see what he could do, and he had a he had a great second half. But last year, if Mike or Donovan or Joe missed a game, and uh, you know for whatever reason rest back to backs, for you know injury, and I'm knocking on wood here, the Jazz were left short on ball handlers, Bowler, and guys that could right. beat their guy and initiate the offense. And Jordan Clarkson's a good ball handler, but that's not really his game. It's Mike and Donovan and Joe. And if you took one of those guys out, then they were they were lacking in that department and it put a lot of pressure on specifically Joe Ingles. If if Butler can be competent handling the ball, initiating the offense, and and by the way, throw in Trent Forrest or maybe even yes. Elijah Hughes into the combination uh, conversation too. If they can prove to be that, I think there is a role for that. I agree. I think Trent Forrest was impressive. You know, we called the the summer league Thurl and I, and you know he stood out and he plays it at his own pace. He he seems to be very calm and collected and also confident. And, you know, you played 30 games for the Jazz last year, and there was a lot of scrub minutes. You know that. Yeah. I mean, you and Tim, 
you know, saw all those games that I did. And, you know, it's hard to get a real perspective on a player if you only get three minutes in a, either a blowout, either on a win or a loss. But I don't know. Trent Forrest intrigues me. And, you know, what, what, what I've seen of Jared Butler so far, I, I like his approach. Uh, he's a very confident guy, not cocky, but confident because, look, he said, and he made it clear, I've won, I've won everywhere I've gone in high school championships, now an NCAA title under his belt. And, you know, he just wants to continue that uh, with the Jazz. Um, obviously, he slipped because of some health concerns. He's been checked out. And maybe the Jazz, you know, took it took the roll of the dice on this guy. He really could be one of the steals of of the twenty one draft. And uh, let's hope it is. Let's hope uh, let's hope it does come to that because I see a lot of talent. The guy can shoot. Uh, he's really kind of silky smooth, and I think he's a pretty good defender for his size too. So I want to ask you about Hassan Whiteside. Um, yeah. And the idea in his signing, or at least it seems to me, is you've got uh, Rudy that is so very special and plays a certain way, and Hassan is is capable, I think, of, of playing similarly. You know, he's not Rudy Gobert, but uh, their games seem to be kind of a fit. And I, I can see why that's valuable. I thought it was interesting last night, Hassan in the postgame bowler was very very self-aware, and he talked about the issues that he had and uh, gave up a couple of dunks because he over-rotated and stuff like that. And it reminded me of Mike Conley talking about playing defense with Rudy Gobert, where Mike said, you know, I've got to fight my instinct to help because he doesn't need it. And it took him a little while to learn that. I thought it was interesting from Hassan where he's got to still figure out that Rudy role because it's not necessarily how he's played, even though I think his game fits that. Yeah, you know, um, I think Whiteside was learning on the fly a little bit last night and getting a feel. You know, Quinn Snyder said something interesting uh, that he says with Rudy and Hassan playing in practice against one another that it actually gives him visuals that he can go back. Now think about this. He, He sees Rudy play in practice as he tries to, you know, bring in the uh, the jazz way on the defensive end he can visualize what gobert has done and is doing even though hassan knows knows gobert and has watched him play uh he's actually learning just because of rudy uh on a visual plane which is kind of heavy but true you know i guess it's like you know replaying video uh, as coin was saying in, in in your head so i thought he looked a little you know lost at times uh last night but uh, I think that uh, after speaking with him, he wants to scratch off the year in Sacramento because of the COVID. He said he never had his breath. He never was in shape. And I saw a guy, you know, during media day last Monday, a guy that looks pretty built and pretty excited to have another shot at it. you got two of the top rim protectors, Jake, on one team. And that's a rarity on how you can accomplish that. Will they play together? Maybe, but doubtful. Uh, but it sure does give, I think, Jazz fans and, and Quinn, you know, uh, a lot of uh, excitement to have a couple of guys that are going to be able to move around the paint, protect the rim, and also I think Hassan's pretty nimble, you know, with the hands and, and his foot speed too. So I think once he gets used to things, uh, it's, it's going to be a good pickup. And let's hope he just, again, health is still everything, right? Health with Donovan, health with Mike, health with Rudy and, and Bogey and the rest. And the same with Hassan, to have a backup big who can produce on a nightly basis. Because he's going to see some minutes. There's no doubt in that second unit. 
So, Bowler, the GM survey uh, was released today, and uh, it's always kind of an interesting read, right? Yeah. Um, Coach Snyder, uh, speaking of coach, he was very well respected in this survey. And I, I, I want to just uh, mention these to you and then just get your reaction. So this isn't much of a question, I suppose, but I want to get your thought. So best head coach, Coach Snyder got the third most votes. Best in-game adjustments, he was tied for fourth. But now here's interesting. Which coach runs the best offense? Coach Snyder, number one bowler. Which coach wow. runs the best defense? Coach Snyder, number three. So I'm just curious to your reaction because that, that is a, a tremendous compliment, it seems to me. Yeah, no, you know, it's a, it's a, he finished third in the coaching uh, coach of the year uh, category as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I thought he was well-deserving last year, 52-20, yeah. best record in the NBA, um, shot lights out from downtown, put up 43 attempts, if I'm not mistaken, and made nearly 17 at about a – at times they were flirting with 40 41%. I think they finished just a hair under 39 uh, from the three-point uh, line, but you know, I, I those are those are huge compliments for 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 Quinn Snyder in his eighth year. By the way, just starting his eighth year, um, you know, I think again, there's more ahead uh, of those positive type of votes and, and outcomes uh, for what the Jazz have. I don't see, you know, the three-point shot. They went. They put up 43 last night. Um, and they put up a hundred and a hundred and plus, you know, field goal attempts last night. Didn't shoot the ball well. We all know that, but I think the offense is pretty much going to stay the same. I'm still kind of a mid-range guy. I don't mind a mid-range or a floater on occasion. And you know, Conley's going to have to deliver that along with uh, Clarkson. But uh, you know, and and the defense. I mean, it's all about Gobert, right? And rotating and helping and. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, look, you got a bigger guy in Pascal and you have another rim protector in Whiteside. I think the defense could just even get better uh, on, on given nights. It really could. All right. Now the part of the NBA survey, survey that has uh, some jazz fans a little bit grumpy. And, and I want to get your thoughts here. <laughs> yeah. So who is the best center in the NBA was the question. And now keep in mind, general managers can only say one name. Right. So this right, isn't like right. where they, they list off. Uh, who they think is is good, but Nikola Jokic was the number one answer with sixty three percent of the vote. Joel Embiid number two at twenty three percent, and Giannis at three with seven percent. And also keep in mind they they said that Giannis was the best power forward with sixty three percent. So positioning was a little fluid in this. But Jazz fans a little grumpy. Rudy not represented on there. So I I guess my question is, what do you think about that? And do you think you can make a, an argument that Rudy is the best center in the NBA? Well, on the defensive end, absolutely. I think when these GMs think about it, they're going to look at a guy that's a two-way guy. I mean, look, on the rim, Gobert can eat you alive. If the pass is put there perfectly, Jake, as you know. Uh, again, obviously, always a hot topic. When Rudy plays well, the Jazz find him in space. They put the ball on the rim. Sometimes he's crowded or knocked off his, off, off his spot. You know, the ball through his hands in a turnover, and sometimes the Jazz don't get back defensively, and you get a five-point swing with a three-ball. So, um, you know, I think, again, when you judge centers, they're still looking at the offensive side of the ball, and I think that's where Rudy still has not convinced GMs of his effectiveness, even though he shot 68% from the floor last year. But, again, one-dimensional in some respects. 
but you cannot argue with his defensive abilities and how he changes the game. And what he's even gotten better at, in my opinion, is his recovery time. Uh, when he tries to go out and come back in, guard baseline, go out to the perimeter and roll back. Now, he had trouble against the Clippers, no doubt, in the small ball routine. But I still think he's got quick feet, good instincts, and again, uh, one of the top shot blockers in the NBA. What Nikola, Nikola Jokic brings is he's the joker, right? He is a three-point threat. He's a mid-range threat. And also, he's a low-block threat. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the translation of you know, top bigs uh, because, again, I think Rudy's got them all on the defensive side. Look, three straight or three of the last four uh, defense of the year honors, he's a three-timer. And he could be a four-timer before it's all said or a five-timer. But uh, I can see why Jazz fans get upset. They love Gobert. Uh, I think it's uh, kind of a two-way street with GMs for the looking at the offensive side. And that's where Rudy, I think, gets probably uh, a vote. You know, gets, uh, the, the votes are taken away. So I I think you're right on the money there, Bowler. And let me let me tell you what bugs me though. All right. So it's not a what bugs you Wednesday. I know. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell <laughs> you what it, bugs make me. Make it. Yeah. So my answer would be Joel Embiid because of what you're talking about. I think he's the best two way center. I don't think uh-huh. he's as good a defender as Rudy is, but he's not that far off. And he's special offensively. I mean, he he's got every right. every tool in the belt. You know, he's, he's so good. So that would be my answer. But I think Nikola Jokic should be disqualified from the answer for the same reason that Rudy is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to say that Rudy isn't a true two-way guy, I'll tell you that his offense is better than he gets a credit, credit for, but I hear what you're saying, right? Yep. But yep. Nikola Jokic is certainly not a two-way guy. He's special yep. offensively, but that defense is rough. So my answer would be Joel Embiid, but I'm bothered. I don't think Jokic is the answer. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I don't know if the MVP vote swayed some of the GMs. It could have. The uh, you know because of the success, and I tell you, he gets a lot of play on just the name alone, and his and he is an intriguing guy on the offensive side, as you said. I think he's a little slow afoot defensively, uh, but Embiid is is a monster on both ends of the floor. Uh, I, I just don't think Rudy still has. And I think it frustrates him too, Jake. You know yeah. this in all the interviews that he's done. Yep. Um, there's no harder worker at that position, in my opinion, on trying to get the body in shape and playing with a chip on his shoulder, worse 27, to remind him where he was taken in the draft. Um, and again, time will tell on just how good he is. And I think Jazz fans, like most, uh, will say, you know, did Rudy get robbed by the GMs? Maybe a vote or two here and there, but maybe it only uses that as a positive. Maybe he uses that, and I, I think he will, by the way, because l- let me yeah. tell you, those guys hear and read those stories or those those polls, and all that does, I think, helps Jazz fans realize it motivates a Rudy Gobert. It really does, because he wants to be known as the best when it's all said and done. And it almost is, I think, another another highlight for him to go out and prove the doubters wrong. So, Bowler, how are you feeling about being back out on the road this year? Well, it's strange. I got to be honest. I didn't know what to do when I got on the plane. Uh, you know, I found out found out some of the rules now that we abide by with masks still, uh, plane, hotel, when we're in the hotel, and uh, obviously on the team buses. Uh, the league came out today with some of the parameters about your, you know, your your ability is to have a dinner, uh, go to a bar, go to a movie. Uh, they just want you to be smart. 
And I think that's good advice. You know, if you find yourself in a mosh pit, you probably want to you probably want to leave, right? But if you can find some open space, go out and have dinner outside. Um, it's a great thing, and it's uh, there's a little bit of freedom there. But what the Jazz and the NBA want to do again is make sure you protect your teammates, uh, your broadcast team, your PR staff, and everybody's trying to be on the same page, especially in closed proximity. Um, and that means plane, that means bus, and that means also, uh, you know, with a lot of people in hotels that we've seen so far in San Antonio and Dallas, it's just kind of the smart thing to do. But they're going to, they, they made it very clear too. They're going to make changes uh, if things start to loosen up a bit and the country takes a turn in the positive direction, which it sounds like it maybe it is, then, um, you know, they'll, they'll adjust as the season, as the season continues. I think you guys did one heck of a job last year, and I'll throw, of course, Locke and Booner into this uh, comment as well because it's it's not easy. And I don't know if people realize this, Bowler, but it, it's not easy to capture what you're watching when you're watching it on a TV screen to pass it along to your viewer. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people out there think, well, what's the difference? Well, it's a huge difference. Huge. And yeah, so I, I congratulate you guys on doing a great job last year because I really think you did. But I'm, I'm excited you're back on the road this year because you can. You, the, the, the sights, the sounds, the things the cameras don't necessarily pick up, you can continue Continue right. to bring that to your viewer. Yeah, you only see what the fan sees, and it's hard to be able to pick up stuff left and right, uh, and even above or behind you because you're just not there. Um, and I appreciate I appreciate those words, Jake. It, it was one of the most challenging and frustrating years of my career, uh, just because of of being, you know, basically just put in a in isolation. Um, you know, a pe- plexiglass between. You know, Thurl and I, or Matt, and uh, it was it was difficult. But some nights, some nights I went home, banging my head against the wall, thinking, how can we continue to do this? Because again, my biggest concern is giving the fans, uh, you know, the best call we can. And it's hard when you're not there. A lot of people thought we were, uh, but and maybe that's a great compliment. I don't know. We pulled it off, but it's still not the same energy. And you really had to, you know, rev it up within yourself. Uh, to try to bring it home every night uh, when you're thousands, mi- you know, a thousand mile away, and you're looking it off a jumbotron score- screen and trying to call an NBA game with the same energy you have when you're in the building. Because you do feed off, and Jake, you do as well, right? When you're in the yeah. building, yeah, one hundred percent. You and Tim, it's it's a totally different feel. Uh, but when you're in an empty house, it, there's only six of us in that building on yeah. most given nights. <laughs> And I beg you to come by, you know, but there was restrictions. We were in the yellow zone. There was right. red and yellow. And, and it's like, you know, it, it was like, gosh, I just miss people. And, you know, just the conversations that we had with players and coaches and visiting PR and media and play-by-play and color analysts, it was like, man, I miss it. And the insight you got and just the energy you felt was missing. And I'm, I got to be honest. Uh, it's it's good to feel that again, and I can't wait till tomorrow night. You even got a good to see you out of Coach Snyder the other day. Yeah, we can you believe that? Yeah, like, got a good man, to see hey, you. Haven't seen you in 19 months, but <laughs> you know, I've talked to him on the phone, but person to person, no, I haven't, I haven't seen him in face to face since that March night, March 11th, of 2020, in OKC, when he knocked on the door and said, "Stand by, we'll be tested here shortly." And I thought, "Oh my gosh, boy, how many?" Jake, how much has happened since that night? Jeez, you're not kidding. That I mean, that feels like ages ago. It does, and it really wasn't. 
No, it's it's a it's a very compacted time frame, but so much in the world has happened. Yep. I mean, just not only basketball, but outside outside the, the circle, right? I mean, come on, uh, it's unbelievable how much life has gone past uh, and how much thing how many things have happened and how much basketball actually has been played. Yep, two champions crowned and another third season in Olympics. It's not all played all played <laughs> within that time frame. Man, well, I'm I'm glad the season is here. Well, almost here. I'm glad we're watching jazz basketball again, Bowler, and I'm glad we're going to get to watch you and Big T call the game coming up tomorrow night. We appreciate you jumping on. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate you, pal. Thanks. Bowler, you're the best. Thank you. The great Craig Bowler, Jack, jumping on with us as he does every single Tuesday. And, yes, the game tomorrow night against the Mavericks will be televised on AT&T Sportsnet. So you will be able to watch your Utah Jazz play basketball coming up tomorrow night. All right, we'll have more coming up next. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. This is DJ and PK. It is time to bring in Nick Ford right now, the youth center. I got to feel like your football team should be thinking, we got a legitimate chance here because it's so unpredictable to go down there and get the first win in the Coliseum. Yeah, exactly. We do understand that, and we understand we're getting the conference play, and that, you know, we need to really bite down and go as hard as we can and empty the tank because we are wanting to know the opportunity is still on the table. I think it was back in 2006, Green Bay talked about turning the table, and that's the same mentality we are right now. You know, sometimes you don't start off as hard as you like, but as long as that table gets turned in your favor and you continue to turn it, then you got to keep running with it. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to Bowler for jumping on with us in the last segment. We talked to Cole Fotheringham earlier today, Mason Wake as well, so it's been a busy day. Oh, and Hans was kind enough to uh, jump in with us for the first hour of the show. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Lloyd, we haven't talked a lot of Utes. Uh, Utah-USC, big game coming up. Uh, Not quite as big a game as a lot of people thought going into the season, but Still, I mean, the the Pac-12 South title could randomly actually hinge on that game, considering how nuts the uh, the rest of the league has been, including the South. The only thing we know about the South, Lloyd, and, and you feel free to disagree with this, Arizona and Colorado were out. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to actually say no, they're out. absolute trash. No, they're out. Okay. And I'll say in the North... That uh, Washington State and Cal are probably out. Yes. But outside of that, wide open. It's anybody's ball game, right? So this uh, this weekend's game against USC, I I think, is still important, even though maybe not quite the the clash of the titans that we all uh, envisioned. No, we expected two ranked teams, as it yeah. seems like it typically kind of is, right. for the most part. 
but and not this year. Not this year. So I have no idea what to expect from USC because they lost their coach. As uh, as Cole Fotheringham told us uh, when he jumped on, you know, when things are going well for this USC team, they seem to be into it. And when they're not going so well, they're not so into it. So I don't know what to expect from USC. And I don't know what to expect from Utah for a different reason, obviously dealing with the tragedy of losing a teammate. It's impossible to predict how young people will handle that and, and where they choose to direct those emotions and that energy, I mean, is, is a complete mystery. But let me ask you this, Lloyd. On paper, if Utah hadn't gone through what it went to a couple of weekends ago, would you be picking the Utes in this game? I don't think so. I don't know if I could just because the Utes they've been so inconsistent their defense has been their defense for the most part has been what it typically is like strong but they're out on the field way too much and the offense can't do anything um see but usc is super soft right and if you do get them down there's a good chance they're just going to pack up and go home i'd probably go with the odds because the, the Utes still have they haven't won they haven't they haven't, they haven't beat the beat usc in la at the coliseum it hasn't happened so I'd probably think that's probably going to hold true. Okay, so here's what I'm hinging it on. Do you think TJ Pleasure, Pledger is a dude? Is he the guy? I mean, is, can he be a dynamic running back? Because Utah's offense is, is <laughs> not great. Is that fair? It's not great. Right. Or at least it hasn't been. No, they need, they need a running back to, fi- to, to find who they are. They need a to, running back to cover for everybody else. Yes, I mean if there was ever a, a year that it they, hides those warts on the offensive line, it does. If there was ever a year that they needed a Zach Moss or a Devin Booker or one of the Devin somebody Booker. that could, did I just say Devin Booker? Yeah, but that's okay. Uh, a Devin uh, Booker that can you, shed a t- uh, wait, no, wrong Booker. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Devonte Booker. Devonte Booker. I went, uh, I went down that tri- trip with you. Yeah, um, no, uh, somebody that could shed a tackle. If they they need a guy like that, they need a dude like that because it covers up for a lot of of what's going on, right? And um, Hans is really high on Mackay Bernard. I just didn't have the feeling that he was the dude. He was productive, but compared to the other backs Utah's had over the years, I just I wasn't sold. And maybe that's me. I've been certainly been wrong about these things plenty of times uh, in my career. So, Micah, if you're listening, or excuse me, Makai, if you're listening, uh, go out there and prove me wrong. Feel free. Uh, but TJ Pledger had a really good second half against Washington State. He didn't fumble. He showed some dynamic play. If, if either he or Makai could be the dude, I would pick Utah over USC. USC. Because I think Utah should beat up on USC because all of a sudden this Trojan team is super soft. I think the the spread it out air raid that they're running actually kind of plays into Utah's defense a little bit. I, but I don't know because they've taken. I don't know if TJ Pleasure's the dude. I don't know if the running back or the the running game is is good enough at the moment to carry Utah offensively. But they got to find something. Utah needs Tyler Algier. They need some like. Tyler Algier, what he's doing for BYU, and he's getting help with really, really good line play and, uh, you know, some decent quarterback play, depending on who's back there, obviously. But Algier is what makes that Cougar offense go. I mean, he he is the dude. Utah needs that. If Utah found that or had that or if it could be Pledger or Bernard or whatever, I would pick Utah to win. They are 2-1 when they have a back that goes over 
Yeah. But Washington State's defense is pudding, right? It's, I mean, it's not, Vita Vea isn't walking through that door. No. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's not anything to really write home about. And Utah was really ineffective moving the football against Washington State for most of the game. And maybe maybe that has to do with the fumbleitis and they couldn't hold on to the ball. And anytime they got a little momentum, it felt like it turned around almost immediately. So maybe I should include that into the equation as well. But if Utah can find a way to be productive on offense, just I'm not talking about scoring 40 points. I'm just talking about moving it. I'd pick Utah in this game. But... Is that what we're going to get? Yeah, I don't know if you're going to get that. I don't know if you can, if you want to put the kids' college fund on that. Right. Because they got to score what to beat this USC team? I mean, USC, they're going to score a little bit. They got to, they got to, Utah's got to score what, 28 points? I would say 24? Yeah. At the minimum? Yeah. They're going to have to put up, they're going to have to put up more than what they've been putting up. And I would, I would ask anyone who told me they they were confident Utah was going to score 28 points this weekend, I'd ask them why. Because I don't see how you I don't see how you could be. That. Yeah, and I don't think Cam Rising has been terrible, but I don't think he's been dynamic. No, he was in that in that second half against San Diego State. Now that looked like a guy that could. It, it, that looked like a guy that could. It has potential. It has potential. Yeah, yeah. to be dynamic. All right, but but then what, you know once after that it was against Washington State who. As we've just discussed, the defense isn't all that great. Struggled, man. And maybe I'm Shoot. too maybe I'm too down on Cameron Rising. Maybe I can't get over the fact that that does Andy Ludwig really think he's good, considering he keeps recruiting over the top of him. Gonna go is right that unfair? That. I know I go right back to it every time because every time I watch him, I think, is he good? If he if he's good, why why were they excited to play him? But they're just trying to keep the. Cupboards full. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, why weren't they excited? Like when BYU got Zach Wilson, they couldn't wait to turn over the reins to Zach. I mean, we we can talk about Tan- to Tanner Mangum about that situation when when he was at BYU, and there were some circumstances that led to the change. But they were they were excited to get Zach Wilson onto the field, right? Right. I I don't know if you can say Utah has been excited to get Cam Rising onto the field feels like the opposite actually but maybe that's not fair but that's why I have my doubts but you're right he, against San Diego State when he came in he was the spark so maybe that's there maybe that that potential is there he was able to I mean he was able to hide that pressure that came because he was able to scramble and he was more nimble on his feet and he felt right. the pressure he was able to hide that a little bit more but uh, I, I still I'm struggling why uh, to to understand why he th- there was such an issue against Washington State. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a, it's a mystery. But TJ Pleasure stormed onto the scene, and maybe that's the guy. Maybe, maybe that's it is. the dude. You know how it typically is for 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 it, the youths. For some weird reason, when they that year the, uh, the year that they when they're when they're struggling to find it back, it usually takes them like three to four games. Right. To be like okay, you're the guy. We've seen it. We've before. seen it. Yeah. We've seen this before. So. Is that what it's going to happen here? Is this is he going to have another hundred yard game and be yeah. like, okay, you there are the guy? Yeah. Because we've seen that happen when they're in a transition between running backs when they lose Devontae Booker and they lose Zach. Mo- like there's a transition. Yeah. Well, even last year, I mean, it took Ty Jordan a couple of games it did. to. to uh... Though I feel like we saw his his capability like early against USC, 
and we thought I, thought, I think we I, I did at least anyway. Yeah. Like get that guy the ball. That guy like needs there's it. something that, that yeah. you could see it right away. Right when he touched that ball, you're like it's just like the guy just glowed. Yeah. Like you could see he had it. But I remember the year, and I, it must have been 07, maybe it was 06, when Utah had Ray Stowers, Daryl Poston, and Darrell Mack. And Stowers and Poston got all of the opportunities for like the first three games of the year. And then all of a sudden they decided to give Mack the ball and bam, freight train. And you've got a thousand yard back and he didn't even play all of the games. So this come it's like, from? hey, that guy sprung onto the scene and turned out to be a really, turned out to be a player. So... I don't know. Maybe maybe the Utes do have a player at that position emerge, but they need it. They need it against USC. They Badly. need a they need a big time performance from a back, and then for heaven's sakes to hold on to the football. Oh, that's a that's that's a must. I mean, I've I've never seen anything. No. I don't, we haven't seen anything like this. Not no. with the Utes, that's for sure. No. But like, I've seen a team that thing against Washington State. That was something else. I don't know if I've ever seen something like that. Bizarre. Yeah. Like it totally just, I was like, wait, what is happening right now? Yep. All right. We'll have more big show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Ah, crackling rosy get on board. We're going to ride till there ain't no more go. Taking it slow. Don't you know I'll have me a time With a poor man's lady Itching on a twilight train It's a Big Show, Jake Sky with you 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Thank you very much for making us a part of your day We appreciate it Hey Lloyd, this is a little, little side story But I, throw, I thought I'd throw it here, in here Into this segment uh, Bryson DeChambeau hinted during the Ryder Cup, and now will happen a golf match between Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. There'll be a 12-hole match, and it will take place November 26th, which is the day after Thanksgiving, at the Wynn Golf Club in Las Vegas. Uh, Turner Sports will televise it, so it'll be on TNT as well as TBS, True TV, and HLN. It's going to be it's going to begin at two o'clock our time. It's the fifth edition of the match. Which of course was uh, first uh, Tiger and Phil back in uh, back in 2018. You're a big golf guy. I see. I like this, but now it feels like they're friends. It's not as cool. Yes, I would agree. Because they made all buddy buddy at the Ryder Cup, yeah, and it was I know. all you know slap and tickle. Hey, and and now, know, for, for some odd reason, I used to I disliked Phil a lot. Okay, and for some reason, like he's like a, I kind of like him a little bit. I don't Heck know yeah. why. He's way more likable now than well, he because used to be. he does these these videos, and he's I'm like, where was this forever? You know, a while ago. Like social media has been around for a second, and it's like when he all of a sudden he kind of started stinking at the game. It's like he's like, well, better do something else to to keep my fans. And, now he's doing and like, I, and now I like him. Now he's doing roundhouse kicks over. Yes, uh, I know and stuff like that. But does Bryson v Kepka? Now that their friends have the juice to make you interested, I mean they're both great golfers, but if they're mic'd up and stuff, I want to hear them talking about how much they hate each other. Now it's just gonna be a love fest out there. Yeah, I'm not gonna buy it. No, I'm not, if that's if it's if it's not if it's not gonna be hate, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Yeah, now I think this was all manufactured, yeah. and now you're no, just cashing in for it. dough. Yeah. All right, garbage. I'm, I'm with you, Lloyd. I'm out. I'm not watching. I'm gonna it. watch this. I'm not doing it. I'm gonna be like. 
Hans, how he just keeps watching. What are those brothers that just keep fighting? And Hans just keeps watching. Oh, them. the Paul brothers. Or yes. Whatever? So, what's the story about them? Like they're uh, influencers, I guess, and they've done a lot of horrible things. I'm sure you've seen the one where they videoed the thing in like I can't even remember what country it is, but it's it's a place where people go to pass away, and it's. Yeah, it's like they videoed this place. It's called like a, I can't even remember what it's called, but actually I probably shouldn't even talk about it because it's so bad. I'm very confused right now. Yeah, sorry. But they're just bad people. People like see getting beat up or what? No. Or are well, they actually well, they're, like they're fighters? Fight. No, they like, they're, they're fighters, but like they're just awful people in general. Hmm. Like that. Yeah. Just how they've gotten their fame is just horrible. Hmm. Well, anyway, I'm not. I'm with you. I'm not getting into the Kepka Deschambeau thing. I'm not going to do it. No, I won't either. Because now they're buddies, and it's not cool. I like the feeling of. I mean, heck, on the picture, you know, when they when they the Ryder Cup picture, they had one guy on the, you know, Brooks was over here on the right side, and Brooksy was over here on the left side. Yeah, like they, you could tell. It's like those guys hate each yeah. other. Yeah, because they're not by one another. They're not even going to try to fake it. They just they don't like each other. Well, now it's just manufactured for ratings, I guess. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.